Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. In these past 18 months have been tough for everyone. We've all struggled um, with living um, with the worry of this, um, vi- this pandemic. I've really struggled with the worry of this virus, the uncertainties, the decision-making, knowing what's best for my family, worrying about people and situations, living up to expectations, worrying about this core, what's the best thing to do, about world situations and and it's really so difficult to live above feeling and not be captured in these worrisome and stressful thoughts and situations. Before we went on annual leave we were following this theme in Philippians of freedom and we looked at Paul's advice and example about how we can be free to love others, about how we can be free to fail And just before we went, Adrian talked about being positively free, being free to be positive. And as we continue in our series, there may not be a more practical message to hear, perhaps from me in particular today, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. And then what God says in our passage about being free to stress less. And verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about or don't stress about anything. And Paul gives five key phrases to help us reduce the worry or cope better with the stress in our lives, the worry in our lives. So we're going to look at this, at his prescription for freedom to stress less this morning. If you have your Bibles, it would be helpful perhaps to to follow that, um, this reading from Philippians 4 as we go through it. The Good News translation um, verse verse 4 says, May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Is he kidding? We're supposed to always be joyful in life. Is that even possible? How joyful can you be when your marriage falls apart? How filled with joy can you possibly be when a loved one dies? How much joy can you feel when your grades don't go how you want them to at school or at uni or when you lose your job? How joyful can you feel when you're lonely? There must be a hundred things in life that can knock the props right out from under you. Hundreds of killjoys. What makes this statement even harder is that the construction of this verse is a command. Paul is saying, I'm giving you a charge. I order you, rejoice. Is Paul's command here just a bit difficult and impractical? Well, not when you understand what all three parts of the phrase mean individually. Rejoice in this verse is not talking about worldly happiness. Ever had someone insist upon taking a photo when you're not feeling it? You smile, but it's a stilted, forced smile. 
Paul is not talking about keeping a a stilted smile on your face, even through difficult circumstances. He's not talking about a surface delight at all. He's talking about an inner peace. He's referring here to a deep, sacred delight that comes from knowing that no matter what the outer circumstances are, inwardly you have the joy of Jesus. I recently read a great way of explaining it. Think of it like a submarine, it said. On the surface the ocean, of the ocean, a hurricane may be blowing. Wind and waves may be in a frenzy, but beneath the surface, the submarine glides in tranquil water. Well, that's what Paul is saying here. No matter what's happening on the surface, don't allow the depth of your faith, the quietness of your trust to be disturbed. And how can we do that? By understanding where our joy is placed. Notice he doesn't say rejoice always. He says rejoice in the Lord always. That phrase in the Lord is used nine times in this letter. And each time it's used, it used it's referring to a situation that are, that situations that are impossible for any of us to handle alone. Once again, Paul is a great example. He was encouraged in the Lord, even though he was in chains. He was confident in the Lord, even though he was in prison. He tells us to stand firm in the Lord, even though our citizen is not, citizenship is not of this world. We are to agree with one another in the Lord, even though we may disagree. You see, this is a joy that is not dependent on what we relate to in the world, but who our relationship is within our inner world. And that helps us to understand what Paul means when he says, always. One of the great things about being a Christian is that because of our relationship with Jesus, we can be positive people in spite of our negative circumstances. And the secret for remaining joy-filled is remembering Jesus and his great promises. Death, it won't kill my joy. Jesus has defeated death. My sin, no kill joy either. Jesus forgives. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And not only that, to be an inner... To be an inner conviction, but our joy is, is to be an outer characteristic as two. Paul says in verse 5, let your gentleness. Now that word means forbearance, patience, consideration. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Because of our inner joy in Jesus, we can be patient and gentle with others, helping them to understand what that deep sacred delight is all about. And why would we be that way with others? Well, once again, Paul refers to our relationship with Jesus when he says, let your gentleness be evident because the Lord is near. Our rejoicing always and the demonstration of that joy as we are gentle and patient with others is absolutely independent of circumstances and absolutely dependent on Jesus' presence in our lives. The first step in being free to live in stress less lies is to rejoice in the Lord always. The second step is to trust completely. Verse 6 then goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. Once again, Paul is really stretching us here. And it's also a command. Easier said than done. 
Now, don't misunderstand. Paul is not saying don't ever show any concern. Live on the on the edge type of life. I think it's important that we understand what anxiousness is here. This is the same word Jesus uses in Matthew 6 when he says, don't worry about the food, the clothes, or prosperity. Worry comes from the word meaning to fret over something out with your control. And here's the difference between legitimate concern and worry. Concern focuses on probable difficulties and results in action. We're concerned about our children's education, so we save. We're concerned about our health, so we go to the doctor. But worry focuses on uncontrollable problems and results in inaction. Worry is assuming, God, assuming responsibility God never intended me to have. You know, a study of worries found that 40% of our worries never happened. 30% are concerns over the past. 12% are needless worries about our health. 10% are over insignificant or petty issues. And only 8% are over legitimate concerns. In other words, worry is useless. Worry is stewing instead of doing. So, to overcome worry, we should put our trust in Christ above anxiousness about things. The truth is that since God made us and saved us, surely he will carry us through this life and to the next. It's no coincidence that right in the middle of Jesus' discourse on worry in Matthew 6, he says, Oh, ye of little faith. Because faith is trust, and trust is the opposite of worry. Jesus' stress reduction secret is in Matthew 6:34, when he says, Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. Trust means practically living one day at a time. In other words, I like this phrase, don't open your umbrella until it rains. Worry can't change the past or control the future. It only corrupts the present. Our third key is to pray ceaselessly. Verse 6 goes on to say, In everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Have you found that whenever God has got rid of something that is negative, he gives you something positive to replace it? He just said, worry about nothing. Now he says, pray about everything. Replace the negative habit of worrying with the positive practice of prayer. I don't know about you, but if I stopped worrying, I'd have a lot of free time on my hands. Paul says, instead of spending time worrying, replace it with praying. We are to commit everything to prayer, not just the big things. Pray about everything. As we go about the day, as, as we face one situation after another, good and bad, pray about things. Work on developing an attitude of prayer. What is it that Brother Lawrence talked about called practicing the presence? Just having God close, so close, that talking to him is like talking to your best friend. As you're in your car, as you go on the bus, as you're doing your ironing, as you're walking in the dog, as you're going on a bike ride. Paul says, present your requests to God. That's not because God needs to know them. He already knows our innermost heart. But it's because prayer creates intimacy with God and builds dependency on him. God is concerned about every detail in your life. The word petition here means specific request. And I like J.B. Phillips' translation on this verse where it says, When you pray, 
Tell God every detail. I love listening to children's prayers because they're so honest and they deal with specific requests. And a little boy was saying grace at the family meal table and they had a guest um, present at the meal as well. The boy prayed that um, God would make his food easy to eat and protect the fence in the backyard. In Jesus' name, amen. The guest said afterwards, well, I can understand the food part, but protect the fence. What's that all about? And the dad explains, oh, it makes a lot of sense when you know that the meanest, baddest dog in the whole neighborhood lives on the other side of that fence. So every day, my four-year-old prays, dear Jesus, please protect the fence in the backyard. Do you think that Jesus is interested in the fences in your life? He is. He is. (laughs) In 1 Peter he says you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his personal concern prayer is a tremendous valve for stress the God who made every fingerprint different the God who made all things is not too big to take care of every detail in your life there is no problem too big for God's power and no, none, or too small for God's concern so go ahead and pray about everything And fourthly, Paul says, give thanks constantly. Verse 6 then says, in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He's saying if you want to reduce stress, worry less in your life, then cultivate an attitude of gratitude. The Good News Version translates this verse, but always asking him with a grateful heart. There's always something to be grateful for. Even in the worst of situations, we we can be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's easy to be thankful when things turn out how we want them to. But what about the times when God answers your prayers a little differently? not on your timetable or in the way that you think they should be answered. Are you still thankful then? You know, I love the film Evan Almighty. Evan Baxter has been asked by God to do a special tax. It's like a modern-day Noah. Joe and his wife thinks her husband has lost his mind, and she doesn't understand why. If God is really his in this, he doesn't answer the prayer. She's been praying for her family to be close. She's really frustrated until she meets God as a waiter in a restaurant. Have a wee watch of this bit from the film. Oh, excuse me, can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Excuse me, are you all right? Yeah. No, it's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? Have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah and the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the ark? Well, I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in Paris. They stood by each other. Side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark side by side. 
But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? remember when I first watched this this film and in this scene in particular and it, it had strangely enough a profound impact on my prayers I saw God differently and I saw my prayers being answered in a different way you see God doesn't see things in the same way we do so when we pray try to see life from God's perspective not from your eyes Go home, make a list of things you take for granted. Eyesight, freedom, health, family, friends, whatever it is for you. Look, at, look for the opportunities as you pray. And that will help you to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. When we're thankful, not only will it please God, but it's proven fact that it reduces our stress and our worries. And finally... Think correctly. Verses 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I think Paul is saying something very important here. He's saying... Remember, reducing stress is a choice. To reduce stress in your life, you must change the way you think. God has given you a gift to choose what you will think about. Most of us know the reality of what this Bible reading is saying to us. We've read it many times. People have preached on it many times. But putting it into action isn't quite so straightforward. I remember recently feeling quite low and I reminded myself of these words. I began to think, think, think of things that I could be thankful for and it did lighten my mood. But as this was happening, my stubbornness came into the fore and said to myself, I don't want to feel better I want to, and, and worry less. I want to wallow in this negativity. That's what I want to do. What is that all about? It was about me having the choice of what I should be thinking and not making a very good choice at that. The way you think affects the way you feel and the way you feel affects the way that you act. It's a biblical principle. What I think about is what I am becoming. Romans 12, don't copy the behaviours and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So in thinking correctly, we have to choose to exchange the things we fill our minds with which aren't helpful and are negative and to put the things in that Paul 
gives us here. Things that are true and noble. True is a characterization of God. We are characterized by truth thinking, filling our minds with those things that bring our minds to him. Noble carries the connotations of reverence, right, so that you can become more and more like him and your righteousness is demonstrated. Pure emphasizes moral purity. Lovely, that which is pleasing. Admirable, that which is good, reputable. Then Paul finishes saying, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that is what to think about. The mind Discipline to dwell on things which God has approved, which have God's approval, is the surest way of increasing your Christ-likeness and decreasing your stress and worry. And we have to choose and keep choosing daily, moment by moment, to think correctly in those ways. So here it is: the five steps for being free to stress less. Paul tells us that when we do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says you do these things and you will have real joy and genuine peace that enables us to be free to stress less. Listen, if you're feeling a bit like me, can I suggest you get your mind and soul in sync with the Lord today? Rejoice continually. Trust completely, pray ceaselessly, give thanks constantly, and think correctly. It's a choice. What do you choose?
What do you choose? Let's pray together. God of peace, cause us to rejoice in you always. Make us gentle to everyone. Keep us from being anxious about anything. Help us to ask you for what we need with thanksgiving. Lord, we have been reminded today of the tools that you have to encourage us to, so that we can be free to stress less and live life in its fullness. But you also know that it's not always easy. Guide us and prompt us in the things that we can make, do to make a start and work towards, which will be different for all of us. And let your peace guard our hearts and minds. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.